This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes. People such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast, each week you'll learn from people like you that were working full time but still found the time to create a course, grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. Got it. All those, uh, all those post-traumatic growth uh, lessons um, that I teach, I am now doing myself every day. <laughs> Oh my God, you're pulling no. So was she, uh, you look pretty fit. Was she uh, into health herself? She was. She actually was a power lifter. And okay. her coach is a world champion power lifter. Shout out to Susie, spelled S-I-O-U-X dash Z, Hartwig Gary, uh, traveled all over the world. Um, and she was really doing well um had a setback in January of this year and in just that short amount of time till now lost all muscle masks everything so if she if she had kept up with it she, I don't think she would have broken her arm how old is your mom now 81 81 god bless her wow yeah yeah god bless mom yeah mom's you know she was there for me I'm there for her um but you know having a 15 year old um, we have care for her. So because she's one handed 81 year old, that's not fair to leave her by herself. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we got care coming in. Okay. All right. So we'll transition to you. Thank you for being yeah. on this week's episode of the Hero Academy. Sam, Samantha Horowitz, that's pronounce it correctly. Uh, Horowitz. Yep. Horowitz. No yep. I in the middle there. It's just Horowitz. No, no extra O, no I. Yep. Horwitz. And I see in your uh, name there, you have a badge of honor.com. What is that? So after I finished my uh, post-traumatic stress uh, journey, I mean, it never really ends, right? Where I'm, I'm always learning and reading. Uh, my partners and I started this nonprofit called a badge of honor. Uh, my, the co-founder, he is a retired NYPD detective uh, Jeff, that's John. Jeff is a current police officer. And then we have a practitioner that uh, he's amazing, John, up at Healing Springs Ranch. 
and um, he he's an expert in addiction and recovery and post-traumatic, you know, growth and stress and all of everything that you can think of. Um, he is trained to really be of service uh, to anybody struggling, um, but he's really stepped up when it comes to healing our first responder community. And that's that's what we do. A badge of honor offers an eight hour interactive workshop in Texas. It's called T. Cole Credits. That's our continuing education. And uh, so the, the uh, first responders get the T. Cole Credits. We come in, we have a day of fun. It is not death by PowerPoint. Um, you, you, you learn throughout a career in law enforcement, like if you ever get the opportunity to do a presentation, you're not going to do it the way you fell asleep to, right? Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's super interactive. Um, we share uh, and our stories and all of us have had a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress and, um, but we are, we notice I'm leaving off the D because we do not consider ourselves disordered. Uh, we all have our own plan, uh, daily action plans that we do, and that allows us to be out there and able to continue our service for others. For me, it's always been the gym. It's always been uh, breaking a sweat whenever, and the, the more stress I'm under, the, the harder the, the stress I put my body under. You know, I, I had to learn the hard way that because I, like you, I use the gym uh, five days a week religiously, and I, I've been an I've been an athlete my whole life, so I don't know what it is like to not work out. All I know is I don't feel well if I don't work out. Mm -hmm. um, during my journey, um, I was into the kettlebells, just a ton of lifting, and I actually burnt through my adrenal system. Wow. Um, after 9-11, I, I just was filled with cortisol. And when that went dry, because if you don't address it, that's what will happen to your body. Adrenaline takes over. I, I didn't know that. It's not a different feeling that you feel. It's just you're, you're getting through the day. Right? Uh, well, when you push your body physically and you're running on adrenaline, you can fry your system. And so I was delivered some awful news that I have to, had to stop lifting. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's, this is the only way. So I had to change and do all cardio. I got an elliptical for the house and it was, uh, it was three months of, um, at first it felt like utter torture. Like, cause I have all my kettlebells and the whole thing, the gym at home. And I'm like, I can't, I can't pick it up. I can't do my swings. I can't do that hard stuff. Were um, you allowed to do push-ups and like calisthenics still? Yoga? Uh, I mean, to, to a degree, um, there is a, there's a very fine line when you really damage your adrenal system. And as my doctor said, it's like, well, we look at different levels and I don't know how to say this, but yours is flatlined. So that that's pretty far down uh, the spectrum. And it, it, it just, I had to take a step back, but the great thing in forcing, uh, being forced, not forcing myself, but being forced to slow down was 
I don't know if you do any running or any other cardio stuff, you, your mind tends to engage differently when uh, you're on an elliptical or on a treadmill. And my mind engaged differently. Uh, I really dove into the post-traumatic growth, reading a lot, uh, adding more to my recipe, my morning recipe. And in the end, you know, three months passed, I was good. My levels are up and I learned a ton. And what is your, what is your morning recipe now? Like, what is it? Uh, so I'm up early, uh, like early, early. I don't really get to sleep past six. My body clock just wakes me up or my dogs will wake me up. And uh, I have my morning cup of coffee. And then I am raising my son, getting him out of bed. If he has uh, early morning football training, um, I am reading something uh, when I go back downstairs and then it's make sure he gets out the door on time. And then I'm in motion. I am walking feeding and walking the dogs. So I'm outside and then I am in my garage where my gym is. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, throwing hard, heavy weights around and then Tuesday is a TRX or so total core. And then Thursdays is a real slowdown day, right? So very focused. So that's yoga. Okay. Um, and I recently, I, within the last year and a half, recognize how much yoga has helped me. Um, because again, you're really focused on, on that. You're paying attention to your breathing and I'm 51. <laughs> I got, I, I got ouches, I got, you know, sports related injuries that, uh, they, they need a break, you know, when you're, when you're throwing weights around your body needs a break. And so I take Thursdays to do that. And then the weekends, uh, so the weekends is total chill. I'm just outside with the dogs or doing something. I'm 47 now and I've transitioned, uh, away from heavy weights to more calisthenics. I love doing pull-ups, push-ups, mm -hmm. and uh, body, just a lot of body weight stuff. I love, especially when it, the weather's nice, I go out to the parks and I just jump on a bar wherever I can. There and, you go. Yeah, that's that's my thing lately. Just, uh, I want to be able to do a flagpole and a muscle-up. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> this elbow, I busted it last year. So pull-ups are still, it's coming along. It's coming along, but I can't, uh, definitely not what, what I used to be. I could just knock out like 12, just boom. Um, and, and it, yeah, elbows are, elbows are a pain. I see you representing for, uh, all the first responders, uh, firemen, police. Yeah. Uh, what was your career? Uh, so I started my career after law school, I went into the secret service. So I was a secret service agent Detailed out of New York City, so ooh, it's ooh. awesome. Second largest field office, and uh, thought so you that would be my career. You know where Long Island is, then? I do know where Long Island is. So that's where I. That's where I am. <laughs> yeah, well, I. You know, if John was on here, I would be like the third wheel because you guys, the accents would come out because he's from the island. Oh, okay. You know, like right. here's Sam. You know, the Georgia girl. I was born in Georgia, grew up in Maryland. Uh, but my dad actually served in the Coast Guard and he commanded the last unit on Governor's Island in New York. So I learned to drive in, in New York. And um, yeah, it was uh, New York was exciting. So when it was time to list my top three, 
uh, and it was like, hey, you know, you have to not have it be where you're from. Uh, New York was at the top of the list. I got my pick. I was like, this is great. And I thought I would be there forever. I was assigned to an, the Electronic Crimes Task Force. And really at that time, it was a very new concept on how crimes were being committed using computers. Um, there were no smartphones. So very, very, when I, when I look back now at the, the kind of cases that I worked, I mean, totally antiquated. The, the guys and gals now, they, they could run circles around you know what I worked on and um, but it's rewarding but I fell in love with the protection aspect because Secret Service does both um, they handle cases and they do protection and that that's where I ended up falling in love with the job the UN you know we had foreign digs in almost every weekend um, we had other uh, special assignments you know post White House for the Clintons and then we'd supplement uh, pretty much every presidential, trip. So I got to travel outside the country and it was, um, it was fantastic. And then 9-11 happened. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. working, I was working, uh, the night before that happened and I got off, I think I was going to do overtime that day. I was in patrol and I remember hearing the news just before I got off work. And, uh, then I went home and the second tower hadn't been hit yet I went to sleep mm. and then I woke up and found out that what you know the second tower had been hit yeah it, I was uh in tower one uh I was running late to work which is odd stuck in traffic jams and that normally weren't there at very early hours of the morning and uh yeah the events of the day put me in an elevator coming up to the plaza level and uh while in there, the lights flickered, the elevator car shook, um, thought that thought there was a malfunction. Uh, when, when the elevator stopped at the lobby level, uh, the doors flew open and we were immediately met by a debris field. It was me and the, I mean, the elevator was packed, uh, very unusual. And it was with such force, like this hot air just blew us back in as we tried to step off. And my training brain immediately kicked over and explosion, get out. Cause that, that's what I'm seeing around me. And, and I didn't know that 94 stories above us, American Airlines flight 11 had struck the tower. And so I just grabbed onto as many people as I could and said, let's go. Went up an escalator out an exit door I had never used before. That exit put me square on the uh, plaza facing tower one couldn't see anything it was just all the debris falling down around and um you're familiar with the plaza so six is the old post office so it had that overhang uh and that's what that's what shielded all of us from all the debris coming down and shimmied my way around six and i had one person stayed with me and uh, we got to the front corner of six. I could see across the pedestrian walkway into seven, which was my building, and uh, was took off across that pedestrian walkway. And uh, my had my squad mates and a supervisor there in the lobby. And I'm going, what in the world just happened? And they're asking me if I'm okay and making sure everything's attached. I'm like, I'm good. And the second tower got hit while we were all in the lobby. 
we're, you know, we're all thinking our investigator brains, right? Okay, the coordinated bombing attack, because the building we're in, it's not a public building. We've got us, our our stuff's in there covering three floors. And then then Mayor Giuliani's uh, Office of Emergency Management was in there and some other agencies. And we're like, all right, this is, we are next, third tallest building. So let's get out. And we evacuated seven, got to Vesey, uh, uh, got onto Vesey Street, crossed over, um, and uh, ended up at the corner of Vesey and Westside Highway, where we could look up and see the towers, what was going on. Now we could see one clearly huge, what we thought was a bomb, enormous bomb went off inside, everything's coming out, raining down, and then behind it, Tower 2 with a huge smoke trail. Had no idea it was airplanes not a clue until some time had passed and um, we we're watching the jumpers. Um, and that stayed with me, you know, the longest after, after that day. And I, a squad mate of ours, like saw us all on the side of the road, slammed on his brakes and got our attention. And he asked us if we'd seen the planes. And I was like, planes, what are you talking about? Cause you know, if you, if you think about how we look at things as we go, go through life, um, when you want to leave an office building, you take the elevator down, right? We don't throw ourselves out the window. So we're watching the jumpers. So it took a minute to really figure out the, the, the magnitude of what we were seeing, just like with the airplanes, like people don't fly airplanes, into buildings. I mean, the Twin Towers, of course, but it's like, there should be some warning, right? Right. And then we heard on his radio, the Pentagon get, get hit. And we're, are, we're like, are we at war? What is going on? What do we do next? Communications was a nightmare. Cell and phones uh, went black for a short while. All cell phones went black for- Mine uh, worked. Yeah. I was- it was the most bizarre thing. We were preparing for the UN's uh, big 50th anniversary event. We, uh, that morning, we were supposed to have a huge meeting with NYPD, FDNY, um, the leaders from um, who's ever staff from the foreign digs came in and to get assignments. And of course that meeting never happened, but we had folks up from DC. And as we're walking up, um west side highway i'm hitting the green button again there's no smartphones you know so it's just the regular so i'm hitting the green send button for a number that these guys are like hey can i try and call my wife i'm like okay i'm hitting it hitting it hitting it it, it and it would connect and then it would drop and so I'm like, this is, let me try another number. And I was able to get through to DC to my mom's office. She was a dental hygienist in Chevy Chase, Maryland. I gave, these guys gave her their, their wives numbers. She called them to let their wives know that their husbands were okay. It, you know, you, you pull together. Yeah, that's what I was just going to, I I, I re remembered how much everyone pulled together afterwards yeah. and the support for 
FDNY and NYPD and just all of the people that pulled together to help and, you know, kind of ease some of the pain and suffering for so many people. Um, did you end up walking across the Brooklyn Bridge? No, no. So we we were on West Side Highway, most of us, and we just started walking. We evacuated, helped to evacuate a school. Um, in the midst of that, Tower 1 is, uh, Tower 2 had already come down, which is why we were in the school. Then we're going up West Side Highway with the students when Tower 1 came down. And so we were part of that mob, you know, running to flee that dust cloud rolling up West Side Highway. And uh, our pagers go off. I'm like, what? I was with two other agents. Everybody else was was scattered. And our pagers are going off. And we're like, how is this? How is this happening? The cell phones aren't working. Um, but our building had been damaged, but it had not come down yet. And so our duty desk agent was sending out messages. And we walked up to Pier 63, which, you know, for, you, you wouldn't walk from uh, the World Trade Center complex up to Pier 63. No. Um, and when we got there, our super, some of our supervisors were there. They had arranged for the park police to shuttle us across in the boats across the Hudson to New Jersey, where the New Jersey field office agents were waiting with their POVs and government vehicles to get us all home. And it was, it was just, it was surreal. It was like, we know what happened because we saw it with our own eyes, but you don't think that, I don't know, it was like a movie and it took a while for everything to kind of sink in, especially that ride home. Uh, I think there were five of us packed into the car. So me and another agent were sitting on the laps of our coworkers. And, uh, and I had lost my, um, my keys to my apartment. My POV uh, was at home. And, and, and so I had to, I, what's, I had a, to, what's a POV? My personal vehicle. Personal vehicle. Okay. Yeah. And, so I had to call my landlord and, you know, all these things, what a law enforcement career does, which is phenomenal in the secret service. I, I just going to brag saying like, we're really freaking good at it is just staying in action. And just your brain just goes step one, step two, step three. And you just are able to do this. And it's very easy. And so I was like, all right, got to call my landlord. Sal's going to come down, let me in a uh, POV cars. I got to get my title. It was like, it was like Sam on duty, Sam working on assignment. Um, you know, my neighbor downstairs who had, had to drive me to the Honda dealership because I didn't have keys. Uh, she was a little freaked out. It's <laughs> like, wait a second, you were, you, you're just coming from where? And um, we couldn't get on. Uh, we couldn't get on the highway. All the roads were shut down, so we had to take uh, back roads. Um, and then I lived off Exit Ten in New Jersey. I was going to ask, were you yeah. living in New Jersey at the time? Yep, Edison, New Jersey, uh, just below Newark Airport, and that was pretty weird because no planes. Okay, so normally the planes taken off landing, no planes. It was for your. Uh, it was for. Was it? two days after or was it a full week that it was a full week i mean we i had to bad i badged my way uh to get onto the highway and back into the holland tunnel because you know had to 
had to go to work. And um, that was uh, three days later, four days later. So yeah, they kept it closed for a while. All access to New York City was shut down from from all tunnels um, for a long time, for, for a while, for a while. Wow, such a surreal experience. So how many years total did you do with the Secret Service? From 99 to uh, May of 2002. Okay, so yeah. then you left them, and what did you do afterwards? So I left, uh, it wasn't my choice. Remember I was talking about your brain and the training is great and boom, 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 the sequential, no, no thought, just do. Um, that became severely impaired. Uh, I did not know what was going on. Um, we didn't have really any education about post-traumatic stress or anything, but I had the classic telltale signs. Um, just tried to push through and I couldn't do it. And I had such, I wrestled every day with, especially if I was on a protective assignment with my God, if I can't even like finish a report, um, which second nature for me, I, I graduated law school, Howard Law School in, in DC. Um, you know, I helped write the briefs and did all the legal stuff. Like paperwork was nothing, you know, and mundane, but it, it was easy. And I could, I just couldn't, my brain didn't work. And uh, I could not even fathom anything going wrong on a protective assignment where I wasn't able to act. And so I just made the difficult decision to resign my position and something that I worked really hard for. I, I, I was lost. Um, I, I resigned. I moved uh, back home where my husband was living. So we were living apart. And um, I thought everything was great. Um, yeah, because, you know, PTS is up here. <laughs> Yep, yep. Last time I checked, your head's attached to the rest of your body. So I don't know why I think things would would get better. Um, so it just spiraled completely out of control. And, and a lot of it was because I lost who I am, who I was. Um, and um, and because I, it was Sam, it was the Secret Service agent, right? That, that's what how everybody introduced me. It was I one sense. I, I heard a quote that trauma is is a loss of identity. And if you think about if you think about like sexual trauma or mm -hmm. PTSD from an event, like you just said, it's a loss of identity. It is definitely a loss of a loss of self um, for sure, because if you don't if you're not if you don't have the awareness of what actually happens up here chemically and in your body and why you're not able to think clearly and why things that were simple all of a sudden become difficult and you get frustrated. And in that frustration, if it's left unchecked, comes, you know, the exhaustion and then you're completely burnt out. And then you're just giving the middle finger to everybody telling them you don't understand. So, you know, get, get out and uh, self-isolation after that. So yeah, I lost myself for sure. But the one thing with first responders is we are so like this with our jobs, right? So one of the things with a badge of honor that we're teaching is you are you, you happen to be a first responder, okay? Yes. We, we're, we're separating this enmeshed identity because the job, 
is going to go on without you. Yes. After whether you do two years or 22 years, right? It's always going to be there. But the way that the job changes you when you're enmeshed, it's a lot different. And that's what, that's what we're seeing, you know, the level of uh, suicide peaked in 2019. Um, God bless all the grassroots out there, the organizations, you know, we are all working together uh, to do our part to, to save lives and to untangle uh, the, the identity wrapped up in in the job so that uh, my partner Um, He says his best. So when you leave the job, you're not sitting on in your lazy boy watching Judge Judy eating bonbons. And he says it was a really thick New York accent (laughs) from Long Island. So you can imagine. Um, You have to introduce us. I have to meet him. Absolutely. I will. I for sure. Um, And and so you don't want that because while you're doing that, first of all, you're you're getting fat, right? So we we already know that the cardiovascular issues um, post retirement are what kills most of us, and um, so we're 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 sedentary, and then um, this this doesn't stop. In 2019 and 2020, maybe even 21, the suicide rate for fire and police PD was higher than line of duty deaths. Yeah. It's a stat that a lot of people don't talk about and a lot of people don't cover. Um, But I, I love that you touched on identity because so many people don't know what else they're going to do after they leave and they're afraid to leave. So they struggle with that identity piece. Like, what would I be if I wasn't doing this? Yeah, and you really have to set yourself up way before. I mean, let's face it, with the Secret Service, and I think it's still the same with any federal service, the first day on the job, you're meeting with the folks to set up your retirement. And at first it's like, huh? Mm -hmm. This is day one. Why would I be thinking about retirement, right? So, uh, you know, it's a conversation that starts at the beginning. I don't know if the PDs are doing that. They do. They do. Okay. Because my my PD, when I went back into law enforcement after getting therapy and getting this screwed back on straight, um, you know, again, I had the same thing. Set up, go set up your retirement. Okay. So that, that should be your first clue that you know, you're psyched up and you're like, yes, I, you know, I work really hard to get here. And why are you, why are you talking about retirement? It's like, hello, light bulb should be going off because that's when you need to like, look at what you want to accomplish in your career. And you're a newbie and that's cool. And that's awesome. And you're going to have a ton of experiences, but you got to look at, you know, year one, then two to five, five to 10, 10 to you. And, and for a lot of folks, it's so hard to fathom that, especially when we speak to a room full of recruits or they're still in the academy. Right. And they're like, why the hell is Sam touching on all this stuff? And, and, you know, Kevin Gilmartin does a, does a a great job in, in his book. And, and it's like, because we don't want you 
to get to a place where trauma, number one, takes you out of the job. You decide for whatever reason you didn't get help and that you're now stuck because we've been there. I want to rewind a little bit. You said you went back into law enforcement. Uh Um, Are you still active or you retired? No, I'm retired. Yeah. God bless you. Retired, moved to Texas in 2012. So how many years uh, law enforcement did you do? So I did, uh, it was over a decade total. Okay. Um, So that plan that I talked about, you know, I, I had, I married a healthcare practitioner. He, he kept me in one piece my whole career. So thank goodness I didn't struggle with my back. Um, like a lot of folks do. And through him and when I had the opportunity and we would travel different conferences, I was introduced to lots of different things and he had, he was running his own practice and you know, I'm like health and wellness. I take supplements. I'm like, well, what's this supplement company doing? You know? And so I was setting myself up uh, and I didn't know that the transition out would be just after, you know, a little bit over a decade after my service. I knew that after getting help from post-traumatic stress that I wanted to go back into law enforcement because I needed the space to operate in what I was really good at. What uh, what state were you, Leo? In Maryland. In Maryland, okay. And how many, was it a big department? How many members? Yeah, it was a big, yeah department. Big, big department. So uh, Montgomery County, Maryland is a, is a county of almost a million people. Wow. So yeah, so big, big department, but it was me and three other guys detailed to a very uh, unique and uh, new division called the Executive Protection Division. And we handled, we did protection work for county executives. So I was right back into what I knew best. And um, like I said, it gave me purpose. It gave me a routine. Um, and, and when I got to the supervisor level uh, and, and being a supervisor lieutenant, um, <laughs> paperwork. I could, again, I could handle the paperwork. Um, this, the supervisory role took me, uh, off the street sometimes. And so that, that's the best part of law enforcement is meeting people, um, interacting, uh, you know, you, you never know who you're going to meet and how they're going to impact your life, your life, bring more to your life. And for you to bring something to their lives as well. And that's exactly what happened. And I met some really cool people and I went into, um, I went into business for myself after, yeah, thank you. After replacing my take home. And I was like, is this really possible? And, and, you know, I had, I I had a little one, we adopted Hayden at, uh, he was two days old and now I got a kid and, uh, what kind of business? I'm in the health and wellness arena. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so supplements and, uh, and, and it was, it was just like, yeah, this works. Cause I don't have to keep missing uh, a lot of my kids life, of, you know, which I was missing a lot. So uh, you don't, you don't get that back. And did you build yes, a team? Did you build a team? Uh, I had a, yeah, I had a team. So we had a great team. Um, and then through, because my husband was a healthcare practitioner, 
uh, you know, we had teams of um, HCPs and that he loved it. And uh, we did some really, really awesome things. And then it was one day when uh, that's when health insurance really changed. Mm. And, uh, and so his practice, you know, these guys had to work double to make the same. Mm. And um, he was one of the first practices in Maryland to go full cash. And, uh, you know, I, I like to say that when you find somebody that knows how to heal what is ailing you, you stick with them. And his patients were amazing, amazing people, super loyal. And then I just threw a wrench in it and I was like, can we get out of here? There's no reason for us to stay in DC anymore. It's like living with your head in a vice grips. Uh, you know, it just gets tighter and tighter every year. And, um, so you moved to Texas, moved to Texas, right outside of Dallas, 30 miles East. And, uh, and I just got back from San Antonio. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, four and a half hours from San Antonio, Mm -hmm. but, uh, last time we were in San Antonio, SeaWorld. We did six, we did six flags and the river. we, We did the river walk, six flags and, uh, and a couple of different caves that were Riverwalk was is awesome. When I found out there were caves in Texas, I'm like, oh, we're going. <laughs> we and we have mountains, folks. Yeah. Not this, you know. And when I told my husband I wanted to move to Texas, he's like, I want trees and water. I, I was like, okay, get your get your New York self out because he's New York New Jersey guy. Uh, get get out of the movies. Everything you've seen about Texas, there's no tumbleweeds. There's no roadrunners. There are some tumbleweeds. <laughs> there are tumbleweeds when you go to West Texas, but if you keep driving west, you will come to mountains, and uh, and it is just it's spectacular out there. Every type of landscape. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a beautiful state. Top three, top three of where I'd like to live for sure. Texas, Come on down. Texas, Florida's up on the list too, but Florida's getting a little crazy because there's a lot of New Yorkers there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are. Well, we got a whole bunch of uh, New Yorkers uh, retired NYPD in, in a You're town getting flooded. Canada. You're getting flooded with Californians. <laughs> yeah, we send a couple back every once in a while. <laughs> yep. It happens. It happens. You know, we kind of, they come, you know, oh, you're from California. No, we, we welcome them as long as they leave their politics on the left coast. You still doing that um, nutrition business? Uh, No, not, not anymore. So full-time in a badge of honor. Yeah, it took, it took, it took a turn where I still take the supplements. It's keep, they keep me going. Uh, they're wonderful. And, um, but you, your heart for service, right? So, so I was serving people, keeping them healthy, keeping them going. Um, and, and, and then, you know, getting that little tug back. And, uh, the more that I was out there, t- uh, speaking about my nine 11 journey, and um, I, I have a book called The Silent Fall. And uh, so went on a speaking tour for like two years. And it, um, my heart is to serve. That It just, it doesn't, I don't think it ever leaves you. And so when you decide to make transitions and move in different directions, A, I had a 
have a ton of support. B, I have phenomenal partners in building uh, a badge of honor. It wasn't like, hey, it's, it's built, right? It takes years, um, go through the nonprofit status uh, in the midst of uh, the pandemic and and that didn't, that didn't stop. So we had to shift gears during that and God bless all the departments out there that you know, they were like, no, you guys are coming in. We, we need your stuff and we'll just sit six feet apart, you know, because it was, it was a priority and, and mental health, it declined uh, everywhere, whether you're, whether you're first responder or non-first responder, and it's a mess. And right now the battle is like, the battle is is screens. Yeah. You, You cannot, you cannot effectively continue to heal doing it over a screen you need that contact with the person i couldn't agree more um i have to run so i'm just going to ask you five more super quick questions these are the questions that i ask everyone at the very end uh no one is more well there's very few people that are more qualified to answer the question number one, what's your definition of a hero? I know it's a tough question. It, 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 my, well, my definition of a hero is somebody that gives from their heart, no matter what. They're always there doing the tough stuff that nobody else will do, but from here. I love it. And uh, when you're starting to feel stressed out and you've almost reached your breaking point, how do you show love to yourself? How do you save yourself? Uh, I push away physically from whatever. And most of the time, if I'm at my breaking point, I happen to be at my desk. (laughs) So I push away physically, close my eyes, take five really deep breaths through my nose slowly out my mouth and I can feel my stress levels just drop I get up out of my chair after that and most of the time I go to pet my dog (laughs) do you have any uh one-to-one or group coaching clients right now uh not right now so with a badge of honor we're all workshop based so we've got our podcast live every monday it's called a badge of honor podcast uh tune in on linkedin on twitter live and then uh on then on youtube and it's all things healing post-traumatic stress stress in general uh, personal growth and um er workshops eight hours long we are face to face in the departments yeah. Very cool. And what's your greatest power this is my fourth and second to last question. What's your best strength, your best ability today? Hmm. I was going to say patience, but then my mom went and broke her arm. So this, that's, we're going to throw that out the window. <laughs> um, understanding. Empathy. Empathy, yeah. That's a, that's a very important, important 
especially for what you do important i had to learn i had to learn that you know because mm. the cynicism from the jobs that's real stuff yeah that's definitely something that we have to battle through yeah. for sure um and just for fun if you had a comic superpower what would it be like a comic book superpower what would it be and why oh my just for fun gosh um Probably everything that we we've experienced in this world uh, these past couple of years, I would say invisibility. I I want to be in some with some of these talks that are going on. So in, in inside where these decision makers are doing some stupid stuff, and I I want to have that and. Um, I don't know. I don't know if invisibility will give me a, a, the ability to send out signs or smoke signals or whatever, like, hey, people pay attention over here. But yeah. Invisibility. Yeah. So so you just want to be in the room when they're having the conversations. And uh, I, I think it would be hard for you to resist the urge to pop out and say, are you insane? <laughs> Maybe I'll just throw something. You know, okay. like freak them out, like, oh my God, this place is haunted. We gotta, uh -huh. we gotta leave, right? So they can never get anything done. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for hopping on. I appreciate all of your years of service and the work that you continue to do. You are awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you hopping on and uh, don't hang up. Hold on, okay? All right, all right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just, just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith, the number one. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.